It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a UFO. Nope. It's a UAP. Or is it? Nope. It's. Nope. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. So what is it, Aaron? Uh, it is. You just decided not to full tell spoilers. Me? We're just gonna get right into spoilers right now. Yeah, I'm gonna give right. you three this seconds to turn three this off. Warning. One, three, two, one. It's actually an alien. It's a kaiju. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's an alien kaiju. That's what the UFO is. Um, but welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast, the bargain basement of the Monster Podcasting Airways. This week, as we try to stay alive, a standalone review of Jordan Peele's Nope. With me today is the saucer-shaped Alex. Mm, and joining me is that coin through the eye, Eric. Mm. <laughs> hey, you know what the most exciting thing about this review, Alex, is? Uh, I if don't. Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> okay. If it's right into our Scorpion King 2 Rise of the Warrior series. Oh, um, because I know exactly. Did you, was your mind just blown? Because I'm that's, what I was trying to do. Yeah, I, yeah. that's what I was trying to do was blow your mind a little bit. Wow. So if you ref, reference episode, uh, 112, when we talked about Scorpion King 2 Rise of the Warriors exclusively on Blu-ray, you will, <laughs> <laughs> you will see the connection and your mind will be blown just as much as Alex's was. Right there. Oh my god! Yeah, and it's 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 an experience to behold, everybody. It's an experience to behold. We just we might have to re review this movie again when we get into the Scorpion King proper series. We'll have to see. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and we're also, uh, you know, we're proud to announce that we now get one third of all Scorpion King two through five sales uh, mm-hmm. as, from the studio. They've decided that to start sending us that dope. money. That's not true, <laughs> but uh, they should just give us that because I doubt they're selling any more copies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, honestly, Alex, we should jump into this review because I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. Uh, yeah. I'm interested in what you think about it, so let's just jump in. Yes. In his third-length horror feature, Jordan Peele presents Nope, an alien UFO movie with a twist. But does the twist in this creature feature warrant a review of these two men? Or have we been roped in by nope like two dopes? Oh, it definitely warrants a review. And obviously, you know, again, spoilers, we've already spoiled it for you. You know, the ship's an alien. But everyone, I, I don't, I feel a little weird about this one because everyone keeps calling this a twist. And I guess it is but when the twist was revealed i didn't particularly have any sense of like revelation like i wasn't sitting there like uh kevin McAllister at home alone smacking the sides of my mouth going ah like i is i literally became the shrug emoji like oh like that's not actually too far from what i felt like this thing was kind of looking at because it felt so almost organic when it was picking mm-hmm. up people and, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it was intended to be a big shocker anyway. Some people are talking about it like it is. I don't. It's not. I don't it's think not it a big is. shocker. Okay. So, like, you've talked about this with us, how you think, you know, um, the twist in us, if you want to call it that, isn't a twist. Like, it's pretty obvious. Yes. I, I agree with you. Like, I, I do think it's pretty obvious. I, I still think it's a twist. It's not a. Uh, sixth sense at the end of the movie, you have the rug pulled out from under you sort of twist that just right. changes everything that you've seen in the movie before. It's revealed at a, a relatively decent point, and it's not this grand reveal. I mean, OJ even says something along the lines of, like, it's it's a living thing, right? Yeah. Um, like, he just tells you. Like, it's not like this grand reveal. He just tells you, and then he finds out, he's like, told you so, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> so it's not this grand reveal. I wouldn't call it a major twist, though. If you had just watched the trailers and we're, we're looking at this movie, 
I could see it being a twist, right? Like you didn't know going in that this was going to be a monster in his own right. Right, right. And then, but that being said, this movie is definitely worth, uh, you know, a review by us. Whether it was going to be Kaiju or Little Green Men, mm. um, it's definitely worth a review. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think it definitely warrants a review from these two dopes. Um, because, I mean, it's, it's probably the best American kaiju movie since when, right? Like, I mean, mm. if, we can, if we can call it that, I'm okay. just thinking back. I'm trying to think. <laughs> um, when you said we should cover this film, I figured, like, you saw it and you're like, we should cover that. And that made me think, okay, there has to be some sort of monster related. So I was expecting to see aliens. Um like little green men type of aliens. And I thought like, honestly, they, they had me fooled for a second with the, the pranksters, right? Oh yeah. Um, that was a good moment. Yeah. They had me fooled. Honestly, like I, I thought it was kind of, I was creeped out for a second. Right. Yeah. They're great. Um, when that I first saw that moment, moment, it was like, I was like, Oh my gosh. Uh, it really had signs sort of vibes. Right. Um, yeah. but I, I, I was, yeah, I thought that was going to be it. I was like, wow, they um, are, are giving us these aliens really early. I didn't expect that we'd actually be facing a kaiju, uh, but I, I love that idea. Um, and before we go any further, I know we're going to dive into this film and get into our interpretations, but I think on some level uh, that Peel is trying to resist interpretation in a way um, – because I, I don't think there's a clear cut, like, this is what this film is trying to say. Here's the message of the movie. Um, in that way, I think it might be his most artistic output. Uh, there's multiple messages here. But I don't think that Peel provides all the answers. And, and I think he would probably just say nope uh, to, to trying to figure everything out. And, and I'm okay with that. It's not always uh, a good sign when you have a bunch of unanswered questions in your film. But I think this film earns it. So apart from the interpretations, which we'll get into, I just think this is a fun movie to watch. It's an absolute cinematic spectacle. Um, probably the biggest spectacle of a film that I've seen this year, and that includes RRR, which you still need to see, Alex. Uh, I think even if I do have a few problems with, with the story, which I do, and, and, and I'll talk about, you can't deny that this is a fun film to look at. I think it's funny that you said that, that this is – uh, this film resists interpretation, whereas he's out on press tours telling people what it literally means. Um, this is kind of funny. Uh. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I, I haven't even heard anything that he said. Yeah. I haven't. Seen I, I recommend not reading about it because I think it's made my opinion of this film worsen. See, I just wouldn't even like. I I will. I don't even put much weight into that. Right. I don't. I don't even put much weight into like. <laughs> On one level, there's what the artist intends, or maybe what the artist says that the yeah. film is about. But the art, the, uh, an artist in general, if if an artist is just going to tell you what the film is about, I almost feel like they have to be doing it a little bit tongue in cheek in a way, right? Like, uh, I don't know, I could I could be completely wrong because I haven't seen any of these interviews. But yeah, I mean, if if a, a film like this, I think it does resist inter interpretation, like an exact message at some point. And if someone was trying to tell you differently, even the director, I'd question him and be like, "Like, what are you talking about? You can pull so many different things from this film. Um, there's there's symbolism that goes beyond what you were trying to do. You just laid the the path, and you let us kind of interpret that path. So I don't know. I haven't I haven't seen anything about that, but that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, you seem to be wild by the spectacle in this film, and I. I'm the opposite. Uh, the spectacle was nice, uh, I, I but I didn't think it was anything marvelous to look at, honestly. Mm. Um, but one thing that did capture me was the tone of the film. I love the intensity of you know the the object hovering over them. You know, dropping blood onto the house was a really cool moment. Um, but I didn't find honestly any of this to be like any sort of visual feast. What I did like is how it handles its characters. Kiki Palmer being the over being over the top really steals the show for a lot of people. But I th actually think that the understated character here is Otis Jr., aka OJ, and I think he is far more interesting to me. You know, he's he's mm -hmm. quiet. He keeps his head down, and it's just a general like an introvert. We all know that person. If you don't know that person, you probably are that person. Uh, 
But, you know, he's, he's one who's willing to do, you know, just about anything for his family. He just kind of goes with the flow. Now, mm-hmm. he is also willing to put his life on the line for fame, as well as, like, all the other characters involved in this film. Um, which adds this interesting layer to all their actions and motivations. And I do mm-hmm. think adds like a, a significant amount of depth to their motivations and what they're really in it for. Um, right. You know, the characters, <clears throat> the characters, I mean, from OJ to Angel Torres are, are uh, <laughs> not FYE. Why am I blanking out? Fry's um, employee. Uh, to former child star who runs a ranch. Um, you know, these characters are all really interesting, which is a really, mm-hmm. it's one thing that Peel's really nailed with this film is his characters. And I, I, I can't fault him for any of them. The problem mm-hmm. is, is that doesn't mean that all the characters are necessary for the film. Now, I, did, I never felt like this film was bloated, not once. I didn't feel like it was it's, it overstayed its welcome or anything like that. But the problem with my, with my outlook on this film <clears throat> is that I just see redundancies. Uh, we could cut out the entirety of Gordy's home. We could cut out Steven uh, Yoon's character completely. And mm. I don't mm. think it would really affect this film... The thing is, was the Gordy's home stuff some of my favorite in the film? Yeah, it was. But I also feel like it is a complete redundancy in the film. The character of... Uh, oh, what's Steven Yeun's character's name? Um, Ricky? Uh, yeah, Ricky. Ricky is kind of pointless to me. I mean... He's got zero. He's got zero payoff, which isn't that that big of a deal. But his importance in the film seems to be almost non-existent. All his story does is add a little bit of mystery to the film in the flashbacks. But in the future, the only thing that Ricky really, I think, maybe represents is maybe an unwillingness to learn a lesson. Because um, mm-hmm. otherwise. I just don't see what the point of his character is because he's doing exactly what they did to Gordy at the beginning and he's doing it all over again. So maybe unwillingness to learn lessons, I guess that's fine, but that makes for me, that makes the whole Gordy's home sequence kind of dumb. And the standing shoe in those scenes is also kind of, um, like I understand what the film is trying to do with this, right? It becomes this focal point. It becomes this interesting object that's taking your attention away from like the horror that's happening or whatever. But actually, I think it actually adds nothing to the film overall when I reflect back on it. Mm. Yeah, my criticisms are are not that. I, I think Gordy's home is a essential part to this film, but. Uh, my criticisms are just more personal. Uh, I, I wish we actually got more of that. So like, I think what we have is fine. Um, there could have been a more explicit connection between the Gordy and Ricky storyline and our jean jacket Kaiju alien, right? Mm -hmm. It definitely could have been there and that could have really tied that together. And, And maybe that would have done what you needed it to do. Um, to avoid that redundancy that that you kept mentioning, um, yeah, and I mean, so much attention was given that to that shoe, uh, and I don't think we get much of an answer there. Um, yeah, and so that just leaves you wondering, right? It, it, it provides that mystery. I don't know if it does what, have much of a point. The question um, is, is what kind of mystery? There's no the alien's not there. It's not causing mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. So the shoe is just there to cause a mystery that is not actually any sort of mystery. Maybe. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, I I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But I think the mystery in that moment isn't that there's necessarily a alien there, right? There is no explicit connection between the jean jacket kaiju alien and that shoe. Right. But there's also no, like, shoes don't work like that, right? Like, there's no. Uh, yeah, that would law be an physics. impossibility. It would be an impossibility. <laughs> Just like the UFO 
alien kaiju is an impossibility, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little less. Uh, I, th- I mean, I think they're probably. What you think the the alien is less of an impossibility? I think the alien is more plausible than that shoe landing upright like that. <laughs> I don't know. I I, I don't know. Uh, I mean. Maybe, or maybe, the, I, I don't know. There's not a good explanation for it, but I, I don't know. I don't think that's, I think they're both very implausible. But Fair. I think the point is, is just, there's some there's something there that's uh, unnatural. I, I don't think there's necessarily this huge connection or huge point that's trying to be made there, um, despite that focus. It's more... This is out of the ordinary, right? There's something out of the ordinary in this moment. So it's more of the feeling that it gives you than the point it's trying to make, um, mm. which I guess leads a little bit into some of the thematic connections. So I think really why the Gordy storyline is important is just the connections thematically with the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I don't think there's a strong plot connection there. Uh, so that would be an issue that I have with the film. Another issue that I do have with the film, I think at the end, um, I actually have a little bit of trouble with the pacing. I think it goes on a little bit too long at the end. I think we could have cut out a couple moments, a couple pieces. Um, we might have thrown in a couple extra characters that we didn't need to um, at the end, maybe. And maybe tightened up the film a little bit, but I don't feel like Gordy's part um, was that right. That could have been expanded, whereas maybe a couple of things elsewhere could have been collapsed. Yeah, um, I think that's fair. There's the uh, yeah. I mean, the quick end to Ricky's storyline might be disappointing as well, right? Like he's he's a, kind of a major character, and then he's just gone. And then there's just an almost throwaway explanation that he basically he made a deal with the devil and got burned. Right, that's kind of the explanation. Yeah. He made a deal with this alien and he got burned. <laughs> and that definitely could have been fleshed out more, though. But I think it still fits thematically. Um, and so I've got a few answers to those problems. I'm not caught up in some of those small details. I don't have all the answers. I don't need all the answers to all of those. Um, for me, it's I'm intrigued by the details and the feeling of the film, the tone of the film. So when a storyteller or a director can get me into that mindset where I'm thinking that everything in this movie is there for a reason or that every detail or lack of detail matters, they've done something right. And that's certainly how I feel while Mm. watching Nope. Yeah. I mean, you can make me feel that everything matters in the moment. Uh, And I definitely felt that way when I was watching the film, but only afterwards, after thinking about it more and more, do I realize how many issues I have with the film, how many things didn't pay off and not in like a subverting expectations way, but just like a, I don't know why this is in the movie uh, type of way. That's a really big issue is me leaving the theater and it worsening over time. As I think about it, Um, I've had the opposite effect to me. I left the theater and the more I've thought about it, the more I've enjoyed it. Yeah, the, the, the film is, is falling apart every time I think about it, I feel like. <laughs> there, you know, there's these mysteries, uh-huh. you know, a falling de- a debris, a quarter, and a key fall mm-hmm. from the sky. It's explained yeah. as stuff falling from a plane. I don't That's know the last it. time, I don't know it's the last time pocket, like things that you keep in your pants that are typical things like that. Uh, or just like debris from a plane. Well, that's, so, that's, that's, that's obviously not it, though, right? Like, the, obviously, right. it was the alien, right? Yeah. It was spitting out the stuff. Like, it yeah. had abducted somebody and uh, it, it sped it out. So, like, this whole movie came back to that because that was the key moment at the beginning. Yeah. So, you know, it obviously, like, that was the explanation that people tried to give because there was no explanation to give because there's no explanation for a UFO. Right. right, but there's no there's no search for it. I just thought it was. I'm like, okay, that's kind of lame. Whatever. Then we get the shoe waste of time. Then we get this TMZ reporter, which actually as like this cool, this kind of funny bit of comedy to the film. But you know, you mentioned that the pacing at the end kind of goes on long for you. And well, I think his you, his, you've his reminded part is me kind of, that yeah, his I think part isn't his whole part crucial. is probably what adds to that length he mm-hmm. kind of breaks up the tension when he, he shows does. up and you yeah. and also i don't think the film does a very good job of conveying what his placement in the movie is and what his motivation is it mm. feels like he's there 
because he knows about the alien, right? It yeah. feels like he is there because he's there to capture what is happening. But in reality, it turns out that he doesn't know anything. Um, yeah, right. At least it seems that way. But I don't really know. Like, did he know nothing and just didn't know the extent of like the electric, like, uh, like that it has this its own like EMP field? Uh, or I think he's did, just an extreme example of a glory hunter. Right? Well, I mean, that's 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 the intention, uh-huh. uh, definitely. But but I don't. I, I, I'm with you. I don't think I don't think that's the strongest part. That's the part. One of the parts that I would have cut and. Yeah, I don't think he needed it. I yeah, do think it. The only thing he even adds is maybe a bit of comedy. Uh, no. But other than that, I think I think that's a bit of a, a bit of a failure of the film, especially in the, one of the tenser moments. Right, this is the final showdown, and then we have this guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's supposed in. to also add just to to. He's supposed to add to the fact that if they don't get this right, there's going to be other people that are going to start to investigate because this is not in the ordinary. Right, it's one thing for this crazy phenomenon to happen and uh, a nickel fall out of the sky. I guess we can ignore that. It only affected one person. Yeah. But this entire group of 40 people have just vanished. People are going to start investigating. Well, that's the thing is like we already have all those people missing. I feel like that's already implied. Like they're going to search for them as soon yeah, as well, yeah, they realize they that they're yeah, dead. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't, think they, I don't think he's needed. But that's kind of why. It just makes the matter more pressing. I don't think it does. But – yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the whole thing with Steven Yoon's character, we, Jupe, I mean, he knows animals can go wrong. So mm-hmm. to see him manipulating uh, this alien with the horses, he's doing exactly what they did with Gordy. So it could be a lesson, a message on someone not learning their lesson. But for me, that didn't feel like that's what the message was. So that also fails for me. And then we also have the scarred lady from the show that got eaten by the, her face eaten by the chimp. She shows up, but for what reason? They just suck her up. And so it's like there's all these things that they keep compounding into the film that the more I think about it, I'm like, what a waste some of these things were. But then there's the big one. the One of the biggest issues maybe for me, and someone could probably explain it to me, the monster is scared of the flags, right? Because it eats the fake horse. It can't swallow it for like days. And then it spits it out and it's mad about it. Right. And so mm-hmm. we expand upon that with the big plan. We take the flags, we turn them into inflatable men. Uh, and this is enough to scare the thing away. Now, what? I, I don't think it's scaring it away. That's not the point of those things. The, the point of those things is just to, to know where it's at. Because cool. if they're inflated, you know the electrical is working. If they're not inflated, then the electrical is down. Yeah, I don't but think they're scared of them. They're, they're using those. No, they're, I mean, that does happen, but aren't they using those because that thing has learned to avoid those things? And so. That's the whole point of all of those things being there because otherwise you could just run a strip of lights out there. I think a legitimate reason why those things are out there is for the visual effect. Well, I mean, yeah, but <laughs> which that's, is another thing that this this movie's also trying to say, by the way. That's it's not like, enough. Yeah, and I, I get yeah because they're trying to get it on film. It's supposed to be this big spectacle. Yes, but right. Th- it's supposed uh, to not like these because it associates these with the horse and it made it mad. Um, but then. The thing they finish the monster off with is a balloon with flags hanging off of it. What? That didn't make any sense to me. Like, I get that you want to be Jaws. I get it. You ain't Jaws. I'm sorry. You're just not. And so the movie, I feel like, drops its own logic in an effort to have this big finale. This thing with flags hanging off of it is eaten. I... After them making a stink about how it doesn't like the these yeah. colors and all this stuff. You're talking about the big inflatable guy? Yeah. Is he has flags hanging off of him? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I am not gonna get I think you could make an explanation for it, right? Like the flags are hidden from view, I would think, of this creature because of the way that the creature is is sitting. But 
I don't know. I, I think that That's feels a, a little nitpicky. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think it feels. I think that feels a little nitpicky. Oh no! That, when your whole logic is that it doesn't like these things, and then it's finished off by eating the thing that it doesn't like. Like, come on, man! <laughs> but it's a completely different. It's a completely different shape of thing, right? But and it it's still like, has the things hanging off of it that we've made our entire lot based our entire logic off of. I don't. I don't think the logic has been based off of that. I don't think this creature is is intentionally trying to. I don't think he's intentionally like avoiding these these flags. Is the other thing. I I, I don't. I don't think the the little. I don't think he, they're scaring off the guy with the the wiggly things. I, I don't think that's the intention at all. Uh, so I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't think they were ever scaring him off. I think it was all just to. Uh, to see where he was because as soon as one of them went down, you can kind of sense where he was and they can kind of see where the electrical field was. I don't think it was ever because he swallowed some of those things, right? He swallowed other things just because he was going on a, a rampage. He swallowed things that he definitely shouldn't have swallowed um, or it swallowed things that it shouldn't have swallowed anyway. Um, which, yeah. could, which could explain, you know, maybe it's getting hungry and it just decides to, I mean, it seems, to, it seems to increase in its size and hunger as the film progresses, right? It's like it needs more and more and more and more, um, which, again, is, is part of the point. But, all right, interpretation time. I, I think this is uh, Jordan Peele's most mature film thematically. If you thought Get Out was too on the nose for some, uh, or you thought Us was on the other end and was just too chaotic to make much sense, I think Nope actually strikes that balance between mystery and knowing. Um, so these are just my initial thoughts. I haven't read anything about this film or, or seen any interviews. So I, this could be what other people say. It could be completely off. But yeah, I, I just think it's all about exploitation and the film industry, right? It starts with that Edward uh, Mui Bridge, is that how you pronounce his name? The horse in motion uh, mm. that the family sets up. And it just extends all the way to the alien itself. Gordy is that example of what happens when exploitation for the sake of um, like entertainment or showcase goes too far. And he finds camaraderie in Ricky, who is kind of his parallel, that other who also might be in that position of being exploited. I wouldn't call this a rest, a race thing necessarily, uh, except for the fact that it's also uh, a film about Hollywood. Um, of course, we can also get into that motif of eye contact. Eye contact in this film can be a double-edged sword. It's that piercing stare that is threatening, or it's that bond of connection that provides unconditional empathy. Um, to go back to Ricky, though, he too is attempting to exploit Jean Jacket for his own success, for spectacle. And he did, as I said, make a deal with the devil, um, but the devil snapped. Now, what happens to the exploiter in this film? Nothing good. What happens to the exploited after snapping again? Nothing good. So you can't like tie a ribbon on this thing and give it a clear moral or message. But that's what makes it interesting to me is you can take it in multiple different ways and start to think about some of the different angles and how they play into um, those themes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of pretty similar. My interpretation was that of exploitation as well. I mean, you get that with Gordy. I mean, you even get that with the horses. Uh, you get that with, like you said, even Stephen Yoon's character. And I mean, and you know, they make a point in it about how they've forgotten this, the first uh, person on film, they've forgotten them. Like they've been lost to history. Right. Um, that's kind of what I picked up from it. I don't, I don't think most of it, a lot of it works, but again, I think some of it is not, I think the Gordy, again, I think Gordy's home could be removed, even though I, I do love those moments. I just think they're repetitive. Uh, of the overall theme of the film, right? I mean, a lot of, and another thing I get from it is like, like you said, is it comes to exploitation, but also man could trying to control nature. We see this trying to control horses, monkeys, or I guess chimps, and also this alien could be considered an a animal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so that's why I think most of the film is kind of leaning into. Um, 
I think it yeah. mostly succeeds in that. I mean, you and me both picked up similar vibes from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as someone who's read kind of what they've talked about in some of the articles, I feel when I've read those, I feel like it may have failed in what it was trying to say. Uh, I feel like I have to squint to see some of what it was trying to say. But I do have one other complaint. I think the monster design is so lame. It's like a cloth that came off of a laundry hamper. Um, really? Yeah, I think it's pretty lame. I don't know. I think I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, like, because it kind of has that uh, jellyfish ripple effect. I mean, the fact that it's kind of... Um, I like it before I mean, it turns into the thing at the end. Like when, oh. like you said, like like when See, it when it eats something and it gets those ripples, uh-huh. I, I think that's really cool. Um, I, yeah, should, like I should have specified what like the thing at the end because the thing at the end is like it made me think of Evangelion, like oh. some sort of Evangelion. I, I could see that, of, you know. I could I could see that. You might be selling me on the design a little bit now that you said so that. It was just <laughs> it was different, right? It was so weird. Like I agree, it was like kind of abstract. And at first, I was like, "What is going on here?" But I'm like. <laughs> this for, for some reason it started to remind me of Evangelion. No, I was like, it, okay, uh, that I can is see that. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. You uh, might be selling me on the design a little bit, but I just think it looks like a, a, a cloth of butterfly. That's what it looks I, like to me. I can see that too. I can see that too. But I also think whenever you're you're kind of thinking about uh, a alien monster ship, I, I'm okay with outside the box crazy thinking because that's that's what you're going to get, right? Yeah, yeah that's um, fair. MVM Plus today, uh, we're going to stick in the sci-fi realm, and it's going to be an extended theometer um, MVM Plus. We've just watched the uh, Skywalker saga, Alex, um, mm, Theo and I. I'm sorry. And we get, uh, well, it's, this, it's just the whole one through nine, right? Oh, I know. I'm um, sorry. You had to watch some of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so we watch those nine films. We get into our rankings of that film. I have Theo rank all of them, uh, which he just wait. does naturally. He just does this naturally. He's he is a funny guy. But uh, and then we also have some awards that we give, like best lightsaber color and favorite scene from the entire <laughs> uh, series. So he, you're going to be surprised at some of his answers. It's it's funny if you ever wanted to hear what a. Um, almost eight-year-old, seven-year-old, almost eight-year-old thinks about Star Wars after watching him for the first time, uh, Theo's a great person to go to because he's got opinions and strong ones. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, you can find that over at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod. Um, yeah, that's, it's a good it's a good MVM plus. I, I think you'll like it. Mm, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, well, let's get into our Nope Awards then. Compelling character. Uh, who do you got? Uh, I'm gonna give it to the fry guy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was really uh, interesting, and the reason he was compelling to me is he, he he almost feels like he has like a passion or a background in trying to find something like this in yeah, some ways, just because like he his initial explanation for why things are not working quite the way they should is like you might be in a UFO hot spot. <laughs> Yeah, he's just kind of like throwing that out there, like nonchalantly. Yeah, Yeah, that was his first thing he thought of, and I just I thought that was hilarious. And we didn't really talk about his character at all, but I actually really liked his character. Mm. He just seemed like kind of be along for the ride, but also he did want to be kind of an active participant, and he just didn't seem like he quite fit in with everybody. Like you get this, you get this director, (laughs) and then you get Mm -hmm. these two these two horse people who almost feel like they. They like him, but they don't really want anything to do with him. And so mm-hmm. he just kind of feels out of place. And I just really liked him. <laughs> I really liked him. Yeah, because he's kind of annoying, right? He's helpful, <laughs> yes. but he's also yes. like, you're also kind of like rolling your eyes at him the whole time. But you keep him around because he's helpful. That's that guy. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Um, <laughs> and like you, you, you are kind of annoyed that he's been spying on you. But then you realize that it's actually was very helpful that he was doing it. And so you accept it. <laughs> Yes. Uh, and you're like, well, I guess this is happening. So it's funny. Uh, yeah, he's he's funny. Uh, I I've got to go for compelling character OJ Haywood, right? Um, mm, yes, he yeah, he's I, who I would have picked if you hadn't. Yeah, yeah, he's he's great. He's just an interesting character too. I liked how you called him an introvert, and we just don't get that in films very often, mm-hmm. right? You don't get this the hero of your film 
being an introvert. You get heroes that are um, incapable and have to overcome challenges, of course. Uh, but just the way that he never makes eye contact, like he has trouble making eye contact with people yes. throughout, um, which is interesting. But And then the way that he kind of pulls through at the very end, uh, I'm curious what you thought about the the closing there, Alex. Uh, I, I thought he was a goner. I thought it was going to end with her just looking out there. Um, but I, I was glad that we saw him and that he survived in that Scorpion King orange hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know how I feel about it. Part of it feels like a cop-out, but then part of it feels appropriate for the film. Um, and so yeah. that's, I, I can't, I'm not going to complain about it cause I, I was glad to see him. Yeah. Part um, of it does feel like a cop. I'm like, he's a goner, but the film had also showed us that he's pretty clever when it comes to this thing. Well, He, he knows pretty, how to handle animals and he knows and how to handle animals. So it makes we sense. Should have kind of expected it. But at the same time, I was like, I thought he was a goner. And, I, and honestly it turned to chase her, I think pretty quickly. Yeah. So I, I hadn't quite, I hadn't rolled him out as a goner yet. Yeah. It didn't um, show it. So you, you do. But you know, when, you, when you, when you do have a character show up at the end um, that you think may have been dead, uh, it does sometimes feel like a cop out, but I will it say it didn't quite feel that way here. Yeah. Yeah. I thought there could have been like a mystery of whether or not he survived. I, I do think. There's, yeah. That would have been nice. I wondered if there was a slight mystery there at the end of this next memorable line that I'm going to share. I, I'll tie it in here. Uh, my most memorable line award um, comes from the director. Uh, what's what's this director's guy's name? Um, oh. Antlers Holst. Yes. Right? Uh, he says this line. He says, this dream you're chasing. I can't do his voice. It's too hard. <laughs> we end up on the top of the mountain. It's one you never wake up from, right? Uh, yeah. So this line, <laughs> this is another thing: is 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 it worth what you're chasing? You know, is it worth chasing after that impossible shot, even if it gives you everything that you think you want? Are you actually? Do you actually want that? Yeah. Is it actually worth it? And at the end there, um, I think there is a there's slight ambiguity of of what they're going to do, right? He's on the horse and he's like looking out and. Um, and she's looking at him. It's like, are they just going to leave? Like, are they just going to like, he- is he just going to go? T- she going to go to him and they're just going to get out of there uh, because they realize it's not worth it. I don't think so. <laughs> I fully expect her to turn back around, uh, get all that fame, get that picture that mm. she got at that. Well, um, I fully expect that to happen. But I think there is a little bit of ambiguity there where you can see her kind of, just processing everything. Um, mm. So, yeah, I, I, th- I thought that was an interesting aspect of the film as well, yeah. uh, even though I don't think it was the main theme that was coming out. I, at least for me. I do not like, and it's not just in this movie, it's, it's in any movie, when the auteur or the fanatic just, like, welcomes death. Uh-huh. I think yeah. it's so weird. Is there another film that you can think well, of? Well, I mean, in a lot of science fiction movies, like with an alien or something like that, you'll have the science guy, right? And he'll be like, oh, this is incredible. And then he'll get blown up because he'll be wanting to see something, you mm-hmm. know, for the ages. And it's something, it's something like, like, and he does that. And I get I get what the movie is wanting to say, right? It's It goes to your line. He's mm-hmm. chasing this thing. He's already reached like the pinnacle of his career. Like he, he's at the point where he does one for the studio and he does one for him. Yeah. Right, and we we see him watching video of these animals uh, eating things, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is his penalty. This is his ultimate shot is actually being eaten by the animal and getting the shot that goes into its mouth. But it just doesn't work for me. I don't ever mm-hmm. buy the the fanatic that he's another character that I like. I, I didn't really buy his character too much so like his character and um the tmz guy yeah those are two that i wasn't like completely when i talk about things that i could have potentially cut out from the movie it would have been his character and the the tmz guy for sure right um not that he was like i, I understand why he was there and i also think it is a clever little nod 
to, uh, to like digital versus analog film, right? <laughs> it's kind of funny and, and, and a clever little um, yeah. nod to that. But beyond that, as like maybe there could have been another way. He didn't necessarily need to come. That it was his tie-in was a little bit forced for me. Yeah. Um, what about your memorable line? Yeah, this one was actually even in the trailer, so anybody would know what I'm talking about. But it's Kiki Palmer. She's doing the sales pitch to for you know in the, the she's doing the safety meeting yeah. for the film and she ends it with like you could say from the moment mm-hmm. motion pictures could move we had skin mm-hmm. in the game i think it's a great pun i think it's really funny uh, i really like that <laughs> i just yeah. really like that and it just lays out her character perfectly yeah it does it does and we haven't mentioned her too much we we did talk about oj I, I mean, I think she's great, too. Uh, she should get attention because I think she does great in this role. She just feels very natural. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about someone that just feels natural in the role. It doesn't feel like she's acting, right? It's It feels real. Uh, she does a great job, even though it is more of that. She has more to play with. She's kind of the opposite in a lot of ways uh, of OJ. She does yeah. a great job, um, which leads us to our Can't Believe That Acting Award. Who'd you have? Keith David. As their dad, because well, it's Keith David, baby. He's our he's our choice to voice. Uh, I think it was Kong or Godzilla. Uh-huh. We, we 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 drafted him to do that, and so I uh, I can't give it to anyone else. I feel like it'd be just dis- disingenuous, disrespectful. Yeah, Ooh. that would not be cool. What about you? <laughs> uh, you mentioned him earlier, but I really liked. I've never seen this actor before, Brandon Perea as Angel. Um, I just yeah. thought he was funny. <laughs> he was <laughs> he, he was funny he had great comedic timing um he really sold just being absolutely terrified at certain moments he sold that awkwardness um so it, he really brought something to the film that the film needed it brought that levity um and he was the main source of that and i, I thought the performance was was really strong um he he probably could appear on a CW show himself, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. Um, he just, I don't know, something about his acting and his persona could have appeared on the CW, <laughs> and I think that was kind of the point. It was, it was funny. That's awesome. Uh, what about your, oh, that's a good shot? Um, yeah, I had to give it to uh, the shot, and it's showing the whole, the whole house, and it's when the alien just, dripping all the blood from everybody over at the uh, wild west place mm-hmm. it it finally gives them the the squeeze and it just drops all the blood on top of the house yeah. i think it's just a really cool horror shot oh, yeah. uh that's just grotesque i liked it mm-hmm. yeah um for me I, well there's there's a couple shots but I, i'm going to choose the conveyor belt esophagus of uh our jean jacket alien um which is just so it's so otherworldly like i'm not even quite sure what i was looking at and it's interesting because we get that shot early on and you don't know what we're looking at yeah and then once you do kind of realize what's going on and what's happening you just realize kind of the horrific nature of it that sequence where those 40 people are abducted and we get that woman that is like going through the like canal oh yeah and being digested like holy cow that's yeah. pretty terrifying that was that was a good oh one. Oh my gosh that's that's awful <laughs> uh in a, in a crazy way those those types of things right there I'm, I'm when i when i say this is film that is fun to look at yeah like those things i'm like wow like that those are awesome shots but it's also simple things you know like just little touches that I think even, you know, that this guy, uh, the, the, um, director antlers, <laughs> he even has this line where he says something kind of throwaway where he's like, sometimes it's just fun to look at, or sometimes it's just, um, it's just for the looks or something like, or it just mm. looks cool. Right. I can't remember yeah. the exact line. I wish I could. Um, sometimes it just looks cool. And, and sometimes in this film, like that's exactly what's happening. Um, like for example, when she's she's riding the motorcycle at the end, and she's going through like the safety or the yellow tape, and the yellow tape is just you know flying off of her, uh, it's stuck to her, but then it's flying uh, like away from her. Some things just look cool. 
Um, and I think that film, this film does mm. that a lot. They just have these shots that look cool. And it's not afraid to just pause on a couple of those moments. The, the setting, um, I think, is, is really neat. Uh, I love that, just that openness of the setting. Uh, it, it, it does remind me, in a way, of Signs, um, which I really like. I, I love Signs. Signs is a great movie. Mm, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, cool. What about your unique award? Uh, I got to give it the Improvisation Award. I got to give it to our fry guy, Angel Torres. Yeah. He's, he's the only one that really escapes like the full force of the vacuum of the monster because he he gets wrapped up in that uh in that uh tarp and then he has the wherewithal and the quick smarts to wrap barbed wire mm. around himself to keep him plant himself planted on the earth and it's awesome yeah. to see that of course yeah. he gets dropped on the ground and then we don't see him again um yeah. well we do see him at the end he, he survived yeah he, he survives survive. the fall yeah. Um, and he looks up, but then we don't see him the rest of the film, which is fine. But yeah, I, I, I did think that was clever too. I was like, oh man, that's gotta be painful. But, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you're, if you're thinking you don't want to be digested, yeah, you should probably wrap barbed wire around yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. My, uh, unique award is the couldn't get Werner Herzog award. <laughs> um, and that goes to. Of course, Michael Wincott as Antler's Holst. I thought he was fine, actually, in the role, like with that deep, gravelly voice. But like that character is Werner Herzog, Dude, yeah. am I right? Like that's him. <laughs> I just think it would have been funnier if you just put Werner Herzog in that role, basically playing himself. I right? agree. <laughs> that would have been awesome. And I wonder if that was a thought at some point because it, that guy's clearly, clearly uh, inspired by Werner Herzog. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been so awesome. All right, man. So final thoughts and, and rating here. Yeah. What, do, what do you think about Nope? So like I said, since I've left the theater, I've come more and more down on it. But that being said, there are a lot of elements that I do like about this. I think the characters are pretty good, are great. Um, I think the only miss is maybe the director. Um, and then I also think it manages its tone really well throughout. There's definitely this sense of tenseness and dread um, through a lot of the film. Uh, the only thing that's really unfortunate for me is that I feel like a lot of it's wasted when I reflect back on the film. I think Gordy's home is a waste of time, even though it's one of my favorite parts of the film. I think when I look at it and I look at what I pull from it and what kind of messages I pull from it, I feel like I pull that from other elements of the film. Um, So I feel like I'm just getting the same message reiterated to me uh, through another story that really doesn't tie into anything. So, you know, I've, there's a lot to like here and maybe my monster or my flag complaint is unfounded, but even then I've got a lot of others. Um, So I'm going to give this, I'm going to give this a camera tier. I think this is a movie people should see, but I I'm I'm not quite sold on on it, and I'm I'm just I, I'm surprised that I'm coming off of it worse and worse the more I think about it. Yeah, I am too. Because as I said, like the more that I think about it, the more I actually uh, enjoy it. So I'll be curious on the second viewing because this is one that I'll watch again with Neely. I'm curious what my my thoughts will be on on a second viewing, um, whether whether they will stay the same, diminish or, or go up. I, I think it's definitely going to fluctuate. Um, but with that said, I, say, I I'm a fan of Jordan Peele's films. I think all three of them have had me engaged, even if I don't think they're perfect. Like I think something that is interesting about them is that in their imperfections that kind of makes it a little bit interesting to me. Like this, this film, I definitely have some complaints and I have some things that I'm like, eh, that doesn't, that doesn't work. Right. But I see a filmmaker that's just, you know, out going out there, um, trying to do things, even if, even if he's aspiring, like beyond his means at certain points, I'm okay with that because there's a, there's a balance between, um, kind of this like sort of artsy fartsy filmmaking, which I do enjoy and the spectacle. And I think this film has more of that spectacle 
but it also still brings in some interesting ideas that are played around with, but don't have a clear cut message. If you have a clear cut message, that's fine. There's, there's a place for that. Right. Um, but I think this film finds that balance, uh, which I really appreciate. And I would imagine like, as we continue to see Jordan Peele, if, if he keeps on making these horror type movies, I think we're going to see more and more of these sort of, uh, ambiguous types of films where you're not getting maybe the on the nose messaging that we saw in get out. Uh, so I am excited to see what he does next. For me, this is a Godzilla tier rating, um, because I, I had a great time watching it and I'm excited to watch it again. So that, that gives a Godzilla tier in my book. Yeah. Cool. All right, man. We don't know, uh, what our film is next week, but, no, we don't. Something good. Check the website mvmpod.com uh, when this is released on the main feed, and you will find out what our next episode yeah. is. Uh, but we just don't know where this is going to fall. We're recording this a little bit early, so yeah. All know I know is that that fall. movie is probably groovy. It's going to be groovy. Hey. <laughs> As always, thank you for listening to Monsters vs. Men. Leave us feedback on Note, uh, whether you agree or disagree with us at mvmpod.com. Or email us at mvmpod at gmail.com. We are curious to hear what you think about Nope. You can also follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram at mvm underscore pod. You can become a bargain base mite at patreon.com forward slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus content, including special reviews, interviews, host chats, and this week an extended theometer. And if you can't join it this time, a review or a share always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Faye Bay Seer, John Freeman, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which forms Cell Block B, Louis Loops, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't look a monster in the eye and try, try to, to stay, stay alive. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. When we get into the Scorpion King proper series, we'll have to see. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and we're also, uh, you know, we're proud to announce that we now... Get one third of all Scorpion King two through five sales. <laughs>